Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. If you aren't already familiar with PAL, I'd like to bring that organization to your attention, particularly if you are a parent artist or caregiver. The acronym PAL stands for Parent Artist Advocacy League for Performing Arts and Media. PAL is a national community, resource hub, and solutions generator for individuals with caregiver responsibilities and institutions who strive to support them. I am a parent artist. If you don't know me personally, I have a preschooler and a middle schooler. And on the best of days, it's a challenge to navigate family and work responsibilities. During the COVID-19 epidemic, with school closures, theater closures, and gig cancellations, the challenges are even greater. If you have the resources to do so during these strange and uncomfortable times, I encourage you to donate to artist funds at the local and national level. I'll include some of those links in the show notes. PAL is offering an online series for workplace and connection, as well as a series of Broadway masterclasses and story times for you and your kids. Proceeds support the artists and the PAL COVID Emergency Relief Fund. I'll also include a link to PAL resources and a blog post by Rachel Spencer Hewitt, the founder of PAL. It is titled, Supporting Artists with Families in Our COVID-19 Plans. PAL outlines three action items that must be included in institutional strategies and protocols moving forward to protect artists with caregiver responsibilities. These include creating structural support for schools and daycares closing, creating opportunities for remote work for staff and freelancers, creating a digital game plan for a more humane future. There's also a very thoughtful and powerful series of essays on parenting that you can find on the HowlRound Theatre Commons website. I'll include all of these links in the show notes. If you know artists with caregiving responsibilities, particularly if they have children or family members who require extra attention and care, now would be a great time to reach out. Caregiving can be an unsung and isolating experience, and it can be really nice to hear from a friend. Okay, on to this episode. Since the beginning of this year, I've had the opportunity to speak with several of the PAL chief reps from across the country. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lydia Millman Schmidt. Lydia is the founder of Parents in Chicago Theater and Chicago Chief Rep for the Parent Artist Advocacy League. She is a theater director and educator in Chicago and teaches middle school drama at the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools and is a teaching artist with Chicago Children's Theater. Lydia earned an MFA in theater directing from East 15 Acting School in London. Our conversation took place on March 17, 2020, so we do talk about COVID-19 and the effect on parent artists and caregivers. Lydia discusses PAL, the formation of Parents in Chicago Theater, and two of the reports that PICT published. The first report was released in 2017 and was titled Barriers to Work for Parents in Chicago Theaters, which investigated the effect of parenthood on the careers of a wide variety of Chicago theater artists. The second report was published in 2019 and was titled The Lost Voices of Chicago Theater and was focused on parents for whom the barriers to participation were insurmountable, 
and what the Chicago theater industry has lost in terms of education and experience. Please see the links in the show notes and enjoy the episode. Hi, Lydia. Thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Hi, Tamara. Why don't we start with you? And I'm wondering if you could give us a sense of your artistic journey up to this point. And then, of course, more specifically, how your career has evolved since you've become a parent. Yeah. I mean, for me, the two things are pretty intricately intertwined because I went to graduate school in London in the UK and was pregnant with my first when I did my master's thesis. So he was born a couple months after I finished grad school. So I have pretty much always been a parent artist ever since I started. I'm primarily a director and have slowly sort of migrated into education, as I think a lot of people do, balancing the sort of the artistic side with the academic side. But when I was in the UK, when I was, while I was still in grad school, I had directed at a tiny fringe theater above a pub that did musicals. And they asked me to come direct another show when my son would have been about six months old. And I said, I know there's no budget. Nobody was getting paid. Maybe we were getting paid a little over what it costs to get to the theater every day. So I said, well, I have this baby. So why don't I just bring him along? And they said, sure, sort of without hesitation. So when he was maybe four or five months old, we got some actors together to sing through this musical that we wanted to produce, brought the baby. He fell asleep while they were singing on me. We decided this was going to work. So we did it. And we ended up doing four shows that way. So he would nap behind the piano or he would nap in the sling when he was really little. When he was older, we would bring toys and sort of set him up in one corner. And that's often where actors would end up during breaks. Mm -hmm. They would say, oh, I'm going to go play with him. And he's got a train. We're going to go play trains during the break because, I mean, actors are just big children in a way, right? <laughs> so it, it it worked. We made it work. And he was known as Rehearsal Baby. I would always post like a daily photo of him. So that was like a way to sort of, I don't know, I guess an early way of like having some visibility. But I was just mm-hmm. used to it. So that's sort of what I've known. And then the other thing. So his favorite thing to do when he was little was watch the choreography rehearsals. And it was probably because there was a chore- that meant there was a choreographer there and I could sit with him on my lap and he could sit with me and watch. But he's actually a dancer still. He's nine years old. He's actually a really good tapper. And I like to credit those early days of like sitting in music rehearsals and choreography rehearsals all day. Of course. <laughs> so since I came back to the, to the U.S., to Chicago, 2013, and since then have moved more into the education side of things. So I still direct. I work mostly with young people when I do direct, still in musical theater most of the time. But now I am teaching in a private school part-time, which has been great because right now, as schools and theaters are closing, a lot of my freelancer friends are finding themselves stuck for a job. And I know that because I work for a school, at least my paycheck is safe. So uh, I feel really fortunate right now that I have that steady work and steady income. But yeah, so that's kind of the trajectory. 
I'd like to talk a little bit more about COVID-19 and how that is affecting artists and parent artists in just one second. But I wanted to also talk about Parents in Chicago Theater, which you founded in 2015, and Mm -hmm. then your relationship to PAL. You are the chief rep for Chicago currently. So if we get in a time machine and go back to 2015, which seems kind of appealing at the moment, um, (laughs) why did you decide to form Parents in Chicago Theater at that point? So I'm actually going to take our time machine back a little farther. Oh, great. While I was (laughs) to 2010, uh, maybe early 2011, actually. So when I was still in the UK, when my oldest was only a few weeks old, I had been invited to do a series of directors workshops at the Royal Shakespeare Company, which I could not pass up despite having a five week old baby, I think when the first one happened. And that's the first place where I met another director who was a mum and was telling me about a panel that she'd been to at the Young Vic Theater, all about parenting in theater. And I said, what, this is a thing? Because Mm. people had told me when I was when I was pregnant, don't post pictures of your baby in a public way that's going to make people not want to hire you. Now, (laughs) these workshops at the RSC, I had waddled into that interview, I think maybe one, maybe two weeks before my oldest was born, I was very pregnant. And nobody brought it up. We had a lovely conversation about my career, my plans. Nobody brought up the giant bowling ball under my sweater. It all just sort of happened by some sort of wonderful coincidence that it all timed out that way. But at the time, the Young Vic had a director's program where young directors from all over the country could sign up and they did all sorts of workshops and meetings and panels. And it was just a great way to connect with other young directors. After that initial conversation, I joined this group and I met up with other parents and we started a little subgroup called Working in Theater with a Family. And we would get together at first, I think it was weekly, everybody with babies and toddlers, we would go to the Young Vic, we would have coffee in the cafe, and we would say, what can we do? How can we address this? How can we make working conditions better? How can we make work ourselves when we have babies in the room? The luxury there was that everybody had some parental leave. So when you did have a really little baby, there was paid government leave. So you had a bit of time to explore these conversations. So we did things like they donated some space and we had a workshop where part of the time we included the kids in the workshop and part of the time some people were watching the kids while some people were doing some skill sharing and things like that, just trying to explore how to work with kids in the space. Hmm. We also did some research with parent theater artists in the community. So that was the my sort of first foray into trying to find out what was going on with other parent theater artists. So when I came back to Chicago a couple years later, I had that experience under my belt and there was nothing like that going on in Chicago. There may have been small pockets of people who had kids who were making theater, but there wasn't a citywide sort of network. And I missed that. And so around the time I think I was pregnant with my twins, I just started a Facebook group and said, hey, I know some people who have young kids or babies, let's connect. And then in 2015, I had twins. So that happened. Thought I was 
maybe never going to work again. Luckily, that was not true. (laughs) But those are the things that go through your mind. So the first thing that parents in Chicago theater officially did was a panel discussion. Because like what had happened in London, I thought it was a good way to sort of kick things off, get a bit of traction, and start the conversation. So we had that, I think, in late fall of 2015 or early 2016. I can't remember exactly the date. And then from there, I started trying to do similar survey research to what we had done in the UK and reach out to parent artists in Chicago to sort of connect and figure out who they were and what the issues were that parent artists were facing. Because it's different here because we don't have parental leave Mm -hmm. um, because rehearsals are in the evenings. You know, there are a lot of parenting struggles that are different, I think, when you go city to city in different communities. Do you think there are unique challenges associated with being a parent artist in Chicago versus other cities in the United States? I think so, although it's hard for me to say because in the United States, I've only been in Chicago. There's a lot of work that's being rehearsed in the evenings. There aren't a lot of union jobs, which Mm -hmm. means people are expected to have a day job and be rehearsing in the evenings. And it also means that pay is really low. So those are two big things for me. When I came back here, I said, well, I can't, I can't direct on, on the fringe. We'd call it in London, but I can't in storefront in Chicago. I can't direct storefront because it doesn't pay enough for me to be away from my kid every night for six weeks and miss all of those bedtimes or have to hire a babysitter to, you know, hiring a babysitter during the day is different than hiring a babysitter who has to put your kid to bed. Those are, I think, two of the big things that are the biggest issues in Chicago. I don't know whether they're unique to Chicago. So when you formed Parents in Chicago Theater, how did that, how has that grown? Because I know it's also led to two different surveys that I'd love to hear from you about over these last several years. Yeah. So like I said, the first thing I wanted to look at was just to find out who the parents were, who were were working. And I think I think the headline of that report was something like 90% of parents had turned down work in the theater because of either childcare or scheduling. And that was huge. I mean, that's pretty much everybody, which confirmed what I knew, but also was pretty striking. That led me to want to find out more about who the people are who just couldn't do it. Because I was hearing from people who were making it work in lots of different and creative ways, as we do, because we work in the theater, we get creative. It's what we do. It's what we're currently doing in this COVID-19 era. So I did a second survey that was specifically looking for people who had stopped working in theater or taken an extended break after having kids. That was really interesting for me. And I got a lot of stories of people's various journeys But what I really took away from that was that these are people who, a lot of whom had advanced degrees, a lot of whom had more than a decade of experience working in theater in their various fields. And I heard from stage managers, actors, directors, writers, designers, administrators from all over the place, every aspect of the industry, but it was all in Chicago. But these people with this huge amount of experience and talent and education that was just getting lost. And it's a big loss for those artists and technicians 
but it's also a big loss for the theater industry because right. you have basically this big talent sink. And in Chicago, we already have a talent sink because people often don't stay here. We lose people to New York and LA, especially actors. But there's this other thing that's happening where people are just leaving the industry altogether because they can't afford to, to keep working in theater. I think it's a, a significant problem with the workforce that we have here. And as I think everybody who has thought for more than a second about this issue knows, it's also keeping women out of leadership positions because it's not only women who take care of children, but it disproportionately affects women and women were most of the people who responded to the survey. So identifying the problems, that's always part of the solution, right? Yeah. Is knowing what the, what the problems are and what the challenges are. Have you seen any creative solutions to this, to these challenges? It seems mostly related to money and time. Yeah. And I'm seeing it more and more in the last, especially in the last two or three years, there are a lot of companies around Chicago who are realizing that this is an issue and who are addressing it head on. A lot more companies are doing things like providing childcare for a matinee performance, who are just considering the cost of childcare as part of their production budget. And I think that's coming with this increased awareness and just a population of theater artists that is more aware of inequity in general. I mean, one of the mm -hmm. goals that I've always had is to have caring responsibilities as part of your inclusion policy that every theater company has, that familial status is a protected status, and it should also be an employment. You should, you should be protected as a parent or somebody with caring responsibilities, just like everybody else. And I think we, I'm seeing more small companies do that. And what I think I hope to see next is that more large companies will be doing that. I did a long, I called it a case study with Rivendell Theater Ensemble, which is a women-focused theater company here in Chicago. And they had a production last year, last season, where they had actually rescheduled the production because the playwright was pregnant and ended up hiring a director who was already a parent. I think actually both the playwright and director, this was their second child, so they had both sort of been through this process once before, but it ended up that, that their rehearsal process for this play was when the playwright and director both had babies. So there were two babies in the room sometimes, and I talked to them at length about what accommodations they had to make, what considerations there were as far as the budget, as far as the schedule. Uh, the playwright was from out of town, so what did they need to consider as far as her housing, bringing the baby along. I think she also brought along her mother, maybe, uh, for childcare. So that was really interesting to see. And this isn't a theater with a huge budget, but it is a theater that is focused on women, where the artistic director is a woman and also a mother. And I think that's what it takes to really shift the focus and shift the conversation. It's about sharing a little bit of the effort. My experience has been that I've seen parents who are willing to bend over backwards and turn themselves inside out and never say a word so that they can still participate. But the idea that a theater company would also make some accommodations and share some of that effort to make it work is, it just gives us so many more options. E even, 
it allows us to have more brains working on these creative solutions rather than just the one brain of the parent and that person's family trying to solve all of these challenges. Absolutely. And so I think that's something I've been really passionate about is just being open about, yeah, I'm a theater artist and I have these people who I need to consider in my life. And that's part of the package. But it also makes me a better artist. I'm a completely different artist. Like I said, I couldn't separate myself as a parent from myself as an artist. They're too intertwined because they have affected, one has affected the other in a million different ways. Could you articulate some of those ways? Being a parent has definitely made me a better director. I think in ways like the shift in perspective, I think when, especially when you're a director, things seem monumental and so important. And everything is about if we get this color right, if we get this transition right, if we get this, um, if we get this line right, if we get, you know, these decisions that we make as directors seem so important. But when you're going home and then like you, you're wiping somebody's butt, it's really like, it's really, it, it just puts everything into perspective. Or if suddenly, which has happened to me, you have a sick kid and you can't show up, that puts it into perspective. And so it makes everything sort of feel less weighty and monumental. It also, I think, has helped me. I can focus with my three kids running around the room, no problem. I don't know if it if it affects anybody else's focus, but I'm able to sort of split myself in that way because I practiced it. And I think right. that's useful. It's I also find it useful when I'm teaching because you have to be, when you're teaching theater, you have to be able to like manage multiple things at the same time. And so I, I found that to be, to be really useful. And then just like creativity and that goes both ways. I mean, the creativity that I can bring into my parenting because it's what I've studied and practiced for my entire life, I think is, is great. I mean, and I hope that it's something that my kids appreciate when they're older, that they don't really know now, but at the same time, the sort of youthfulness and sense of wonder that I get to experience every day from having kids, I can bring into the, the rehearsal room. And I, especially when I work on children's theater, one of my favorite things to do when I'm working on children's theater, a lot of times, you know, this has happened to me a lot. I'll be directing a play that's based on a children's book. So I can take that book and I can read it a hundred times to a kid who is going to respond a hundred times. Mm -hmm. And I can understand like where where the good parts are, where, where they get worried about what's going to happen next, where the, where the releases are. And you can sort of explore that storytelling with little kids because they, they suck it up. It's great. Right. Thank you for going into that. I just, I feel like being able to take a step back and see how these two aspects of our lives can feed one another for me is a useful exercise because I spend a lot of time thinking about the sacrifices that I need to make in both of those areas of my life and like what I'm not getting because of this situation rather than focusing on how it has actually made me a more complicated person in a good way and a more adaptable person and, you know, in all of the different ways that it has allowed me to become a stronger artist and a stronger parent. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you were willing to talk about that. 
I'm happy to talk. I asked that question, I think, on the second survey. I said, how has becoming a parent made you a better artist? And I think the thing people said the most was empathy. Because your world, your heart is expanded. Your view is expanded when you become a parent. That's what we need as theater artists. We need a deep well of emotion and empathy and understanding and all those things that we can draw from, all those rich life experiences. That's something that we talk about a lot in PAL is what if being a parent was seen as an asset uh, rather than a liability, which I think it is. It's definitely made me a better artist. Are you willing to jump into a conversation with me about this COVID-19? And this is just a spontaneous part of our conversation based on the conditions that we're living in right now. But what are your thoughts about how this may affect parent artists and how organizations like Parents in Chicago Theater and PAL can support people who, who are living this? Well, PAL has already started to fundraise to support parent artists who are losing income. I have already heard from colleagues and fellow parents who are saying, I don't know how this is going to work because mm-hmm. I either am losing income or I'm still having to go to work and I still need childcare, but schools are closed. I still am paying for daycare. I can't also pay for a babysitter. All of these different factors that are so overcomplicating things. And I know that PAL has already started working on this. I also think we need to advocate for unemployment benefits that can be claimed by freelancers, which is something that I think this situation is revealing as a gap in our social safety net. Is that as a freelancer, if you lose work, you lose work and you just don't work and you find something else. But right now there isn't something else. So I don't have an answer to this, but... I think there will, because there has to be government relief for all kinds of workers, because now we're also looking at food workers and people who work in the service industry. It's affecting everyone. I mean, for me personally, like I said, I'm fortunate in that I'm teaching in a private school. And so I am another challenge. I am going to be moving to teaching online and I teach middle school theater. That's going to be a challenge. Also, I have my own kids at home. So I think even people who aren't looking at a huge financial upheaval and are still fortunate enough to be getting a regular paycheck are looking at discovering a completely new way of working and a completely new way of balancing that work with having their own kids at home who may also need all kinds of things, including their own educational needs being met and any, I mean, a million other different needs that kids have. So I think everyone is affected, obviously. And if we can get the financial part amplified so that people don't have to worry about whether they can feed their kids, then I think we're making a good start. Yes, thank you for speaking to that. I, I totally agree. I think that the financial piece is vital and efforts to fundraise, local efforts to fundraise, national efforts to fundraise, yeah. federal supports are absolutely 100% needed. 
I'm also hopeful that this series of revelations about who is vulnerable in our community, which, you know, the people who are vulnerable have already known, but it's right. it's not been spoken about and not been validated for for my lifetime. So I, I hope that these, as I say, this series of revelations will help us learn how to protect each other in this moment and also moving forward because they're the freelancers that I know, they, they work so hard. They're hustling constantly and they mm-hmm. layer jobs one on top of the next so that they always have income. And it's some of these are just falling like a house of cards. And then when you add in the children, my children are wonderful, but they need my attention. And so I'm trying to put in work time when they're in bed or early in the morning or in the middle of the night. And the question is, how sustainable is that for people um, moving forward? So the creative solutions are desperately needed. Right. The thing I will say about the theater community is I have seen so many messages of support on social media, resources just flying so fast that I feel like I need an entire day just to sort of catalog the resources that I am getting for online teaching, for what to do with my own kids. So I really am seeing that community and not just the theater community. I think globally this is happening, but especially in the theater community, I am really seeing people pull together. I'm seeing calls for if you need childcare, hire, you know, hire an actor, hire a freelancer who just lost their job. We have, you know, we already have those things set up. Most of the babysitters I've ever hired are theater people. Anyway, that's great. I don't know how long that's sustainable either. Just for isolation reasons, there's a, it's a lot, but I, people are really pulling together. This is the point in the conversation when I ask about, you know, what does the rest of 2020 look like for you and for Cal <laughs> and for, for parents in Chicago theater? I don't know if you can answer that, but I'm curious. What do you think is the rest of this year is going to look like? I mean, if you had asked me two weeks ago, it would have been a different answer. I think mm-hmm. what we need to focus on in the short term is supporting parent artists. So whether that's through funding, just mutual support, I think there's a lot to be said about just being able to be honest about the feelings and emotions that are changing by the minute that we're having with our work situations and our families and everything's changing. I think having that network of parent theater artists has always been the most important thing to me and always been the most valuable thing to me. And I think it's going to be even more valuable for the rest of 2020. I hope moving forward that we can use these experiences to bring these issues to the large theater organizations and the unions, which we've already started to do. But I think, you know, as you said, we've always known what the problems are because Mm -hmm. we've been living them bringing them to the large institutions and the unions, and then also advocating for governmental support. I think those are going to be the next big, big steps. But right now, we have to come together and take care of each other. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to say before we wrap up? I mean, I think if I were going to give a piece of advice, it would just be, first of all, reach out to other parent artists because... If you are new to this, if you have newly acquired a child and you are working in theater, 
reach out to somebody that you know, because I have never met a parent who works in theater who was not overjoyed to share resources, to give advice, to to listen, and also just advocate for yourself and ask for what you need. It's diff- Every situation is different. Every parent is different. Every family, every contract is different. So don't be afraid to ask for what you need. The more of us who get out there and say, I need X, Y, and Z from for you to have me for this contract, then the easier it is for everybody to be able to do that. Yes, because it normalizes it. Absolutely. Lydia, thank you so much for this conversation and for the work that you do. I will put links in the show notes to all of the things that we talked about so people can explore more, but I really appreciate it. And I wish you and your family safety and good times together over these next couple of months. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for listening. Please see our website, artiststopbox.org for more information. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter.